Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie the Third. I'm Shannon Strucci. Um, Jack isn't joining us today because he is on um, currently on Christmas vacation while being canceled by Michael Che via Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram you, stories. Yes, uh, you hate to see it, but he's currently <laughs> dealing with that. So he will not be um, on this episode. Um, we're not going to dock his pay for this. We do have cancellation insurance is a part <laughs> of the benefits. Oh, that's uh, good to know. That's yes. good to know just in yes, case. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. You are, you do have, uh, insurance against cancellation if you're part of the struggle session family. Um, today we're talking about, uh, two films that came out this year that I think had similar, I don't know, maybe not themes or premise really, just some, they're basically about a bunch of a family of rich assholes. Let's, let's put it like that. It's two movies about, uh, a family of rich assholes and there's neither one of them is uh succession uh by the way but i guess uh rich asshole families were a big thing during 2019 for some reason i'm not sure what's going on <laughs> in the culture or the economy where people are suddenly making movies about uh this sort of thing uh but the two movies we're talking about is uh ready or not the uh kind of slasher horror film and knives out the uh detective uh mystery um by our old friend um Ryan Johnson um of the last Star Wars the last Jedi fame as Shannon now you came to me and you said you know after you saw knives out that we should do an episode about it i didn't ask you why because i trust you as our <laughs> film correspondent mm-hmm. and and after i i watched that i thought you know maybe we should talk ready or not too because actually jack and i uh got to see this uh together while we were on tour and i thought it was fairly interesting and there was some overlap between the two so shannon why don't you just uh tell us first you know what what did you find you know so essential about knives out that we had to do an ep on it it just felt like Ryan Johnson was mad at Twitter and he used a $40 million movie as his epic clapback against people who don't like Star Wars. Yes. And I liked the movie apart from the di- all the dialogue that was just, I remember Chris Evans saying that his cousin needed to go back to SJW University. Yes. And I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> So ostensibly, from the from watching the trailer, you might think Knives Out is uh, almost like clue, like mystery, whodunit sort of thing, mm-hmm. where you have all these cookie characters and you follow them around and try to figure out which one of them murdered the father, played by uh, Christopher Plummer. That is not what the movie is at all. You find out within I don't know the first thirty minutes who did it for the most part mm-hmm. and like a lot of the characters like are n- end up not being that important to the like main story it's a very oddly you know crafted like mystery film it's just, it's like it feels like it's trying to be like agatha christie but like a one where they just kind of rip the page rip the script apart and then put it back together in kind of random uh order i i I, you know, I just got done watching it. And I'm not really sure how I feel about it on the whole. I think I told you it reminded me of this '70s mystery movie called The Last of Sheila. That was a big influence on Hot Fuzz, which is like a really, really fun, weird murder mystery with a lot of in jokes by all the writers. I think Sondheim was involved with that one. Um, 
And this just felt like the mystery elements of this and the uh, the scenes where Daniel Craig is hamming it up are so fun. Um, like I, my friends and I who went and saw it, most of us are Southern and his like stupid foghorn leghorn accent was hysterical. <laughs> it was really fun. just him playing into that. And I wish that, I don't know. I wish that Ryan Johnson hadn't tried to make something more out of it from his point of view because his point of view is kind of stupid and it kind of ruined what could have been a fun, goofy movie. This kind of like very white liberal take on uh, everything versus ready or not, which is just similar to parasite just like hates rich people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I like a lot more. So the kind of detective in this Benoit Blanc, who, you know, you would think from the name that he's, you know, French, perhaps <laughs> instead he's like not even he's southerner but not like creole it's like straight up like closer to like more kentucky mm-hmm. uh type west virginia or that like alabama preacher voice yeah that Alab- things use. You, but you know the thing is if you close your eyes and you picture kevin spacey it's the exact same voice <laughs> he uses for um the tv show and his um threats to murder people <laughs> every mm-hmm. christmas His it's very the exact, normal youtube videos yeah it's the exact same voice that kevin spacey uses and once i realized that that kind of took me out of the characters like holy shit um th- he just watched house of cars to get his uh <laughs> accent for some reason and it's so bizarre because he is so, he's not like a police detective he is supposed to be like a classic private fantasy private eye like sherlock holmes so there's no reason for him to need to be like american so that we know how he moved (laughs) up the chain Mm -hmm. of command on the with on on the police like he is just like a private you know genius detective or whatever so he could have been british he could daniel craig did not need to do an accent it was entertaining it was very stupid but it was fun (laughs) and you could tell he was having fun and yeah, I think he, I got a lot of enjoyment out of that aspect of the movie. I don't know if I should have, but I, I like that a lot. <laughs> so basically, um, Benoit Blanc has been hired to find out if um, the patriarch of the Thromby family actually killed himself. And of course, the patriarch, he made all his money from writing mystery novels. And mm-hmm. his eldest son handles the publishing rights for his book, which I don't really know how much that is like a full-time job to like <laughs> handle the publishing for one writer who by the way in this part of the story refuses to have any adaptations done of his work so like what exactly like are you negotiating if you're not doing any deals for movies or tv shows or lunch boxes or whatever and like basically all the family kind of lives off you know these mystery novels that this guy has written and he decides on his 85th birthday uh to tell them all that he's cutting them off he's not giving them any more money and then he mysteriously um winds up dead in the morning of an apparent suicide Mm -hmm. and but we what we found out rather quickly for a mystery is that he actually did commit suicide because his nurse um, Marta who is the daughter of an undocumented immigrant um, accidentally dosed him with a bunch of morphine and so he fr- he pretended to so he killed himself so that Marta could get away and he could leave all his money um, to her and we find that out at about minute 45 and then there's like another good 
hour of movie, like hour <laughs> and 30 mo- minutes of movie uh, after that. Somehow, some way. There, there is other stuff going on, but it's, I don't know. If you're, if you're like, oh, this will be a fun whodunit with a bunch of rich people, it's not really that kind of movie. No, like we, <laughs> yeah, almost at no point do we think like anybody else like did it like we Mm -hmm. just like they're all all the rich family they all have their little quirks and their little problems but they're not like that important because we don't really think any of them killed him at any point like even before we start suspecting anyone else they tell us oh actually it was uh the nurse who did it by accident and (laughs) and then it keeps going and going going uh but it does have like a really impressive cast though overall like i even though like a lot of these characters like disappear midway through the film, <laughs> like I liked, you know, seeing Don Johnson as, you know, the eldest son-in-law who's just like this big ass, uh, gregarious asshole or Tony Collette as the, um, the goop lady. Yeah. The goop lady. Yeah. She's, she's like a lifestyle guru slash, uh, influence her. Who is also who's like been scamming money um, from Thromby Michael uh, Michael Shannon? I always love seeing him. Um, like at, he's the eldest son who's running the publishing company, but Thromby tells him, "Actually, I'm not gonna um, let you do it anymore because I want you to be free and build your own thing." See, so like this movie is tries to have like a commentary about like you know fail sons and daughters but it ends up because you know ryan johnson is still kind of a liberal going back to this kind of bootstrapsy thing where the problem with all these rich kids is that they haven't built up all this money for themselves they're just living off his off the father's uh support and help but if they did build up you know all this wealth on their own then that would be okay and they'd be good people and the communists like grandchild is just as bad as the nazi grandchild there yeah was, like, some weird horseshoe theory stuff she's not as bad but it's definitely like she's made fun of for being no, like no she's actually worse she actually worse because all like the uh all and i gotta say this film takes turns straight from twitter you might see <laughs> the trailer and think this is supposed to be one of those kind of timeless movies you're not really supposed to be placing time no no it takes place in 2019 couldn't have taken place a year before or it, and everything will be outdated a year after mm-hmm. um but like he's the alt-right troll who's who like jerks off too much but that's all <laughs> he does right he doesn't he just he's just like a bad poster but the um the daughter who's supposed to be the sjw warrior she actually like sells out marta and mm-hmm. her undocumented mother to her family so actually she's like a lot worse than the little nazi that's true and the whole movie what you're kind of worried about is like will marta become rich or not it's not like it's just like well this person well she'll get to win out and she'll be rich and then that's the best outcome it's like yeah yeah like like that's the good thing like oh she like because he leaves all his money to her and 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 the family of course wants it back and the the tension is well will we find out that she's actually the one who killed him there she if that happens then she doesn't get any of the money and then kind of out of nowhere chris evans finally shows up 
in the movie <laughs> uh, because he's been talked about and seen and shown in very small flashbacks. But then, like, in the second half, he kind of, like, takes over and, you know, gives all of a sudden buddy-buddy with Marta. But then we find out before too long that, oh, actually, he's uh, pretty nefarious. And he is the one who set everything in motion um, that resulted in the grandfather's death, unbeknownst, unbeknownst to uh, Marta, uh, who actually, you know, did the stuff. He was trying to set her up to do it. It's a little bit, it's not like ridiculously convoluted or anything, but I just feel like the resolution of all this, like telling us who did it in the beginning and then telling us someone else was behind it. And uh, it just didn't it just did not seem like a two hour and 10 minute uh, story um, plot. It seemed more like an episode SVU. This couldn't fit. (laughs) This could have been an SVU plot, basically. It really could have just like a bigger budget and more well-known actors. And Benoit Blanc is not a good detective like at all like marta He's missing stuff right in front of him yeah marta is the chief suspect um who actually did do like mostly really kind of did do it but he lets her walk all over the, literally walk over evidence constantly uh, and but we were told at the end like oh i knew you did it from the first moment i saw you because you had a spot of blood on your sneaker well, then what the fuck? Why were you walking her around? <laughs> just chilling with her, driving around with her, letting her go places. Yeah, I guess because he, he just knew that she was in her heart, was a good person, and she didn't mean to kill him or mm-hmm. whatever. And it had to be one of these nefarious, you know, thromblies uh, somehow involved. But that seems that's like a pretty big bet to put on somebody when like a hundred million dollars involved. I mean, if you I mean, come on. If she, because they could have done it, they could have even done the second reveal after the fact that she knew that she was going to be in the will. So she deliberately killed him in order to get the money earlier. Um, and be- because there's a, a thing in this film, this was kind of bizarre. Every time Marta lies, she throws up. Mm-hmm. That's she. I don't know. I don't think that's a real condition. I don't, I don't think, think that, it is either. I don't think that's how that works. It's very convenient for a murder mystery film that the main suspect uh, throws up whenever she lies. Um, but what you know, maybe another twist to maybe add a little bit more to it. They could have done something like, well, she had faked that the entire time, and her mm-hmm. her her entire plan was to get really close to Thrombley, where she had the opportunity to uh, pop him off, and she does, and gets all the money in the house that would have been a little bit more clever than me but instead marta is just this very honest kind soul who ends up um immensely uh wealthy um at the end and that's the happy ending she's kind of like a fairy tale character and i saw i mean i saw this at, towards the beginning of the month so it's been a minute but i definitely saw complaints that she's just like the perfect idealized immigrant she doesn't really get to be an actual person with with flaws she's just sort of this like picture perfect sweet human being and it's like well she shouldn't have to be that either to be a, a relatable or likable character it's just sort of like it would have been more interesting and kind of more realistic if she was a little bit more spiteful not evil like the like the, all the rich white people in the movie yeah. but i don't know there is just something about how this like perfect sweet person is like well that's you don't like putting someone on a pedestal isn't like great representation necessarily 
Yeah, and at some point they're literally they do say the line immigrants get the job done um in this and it, and it, they mentioned that yes it is from hamilton uh, that's a good way not to date your um film there oh i forgot right. that it referenced hamilton yeah directly Aww. you know I, I it's just this film I, I know a lot of people are saying how great it is like i just don't like see it like i just don't like it was fine but like you know, it could have been shorter. I, I was bored during a lot of it. There's tons of great actors in it playing roles that could be, you know, fairly interesting. But as I said, like most of them disappear for half halfway through the movie and they don't really have that much to do because we never at any point really are given like a red herring for who else did it. We know who did it um, from the beginning. Yeah, it could have been. They could have been involved a lot more, especially you have some like some of the absolute best living actors like Michael Shannon or like Tony Collette. Yeah. And, like, that... uh, and there's Lakeith Stanfield, too. Yeah. So oh. Sorry to bother you as a cop who says like three things. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's Lakeith Stanfield. Something cool. OK, never yeah. mind. If you want to see this for Lakeith Stanfield, just watch the trailer. Almost everything he does is in that. <laughs> He's just the guy there to be the normal cop for, you know, Benoit Blanc, who is the shitty cop. Um, and I don't know, like Ricky Lindholm is in this too for, but like I don't even know if she has a line. She's just like <laughs> Ryan Johnson, like cleared out his Rolodex, got everybody who ever said anything nice to him in this movie, and he didn't really like do anything that interesting with it. There's so I think there's so many better like murder mystery films. Like I was my original plan was to try and pair this with Clue, but like 30 minutes into him, like oh this doesn't hold a candle to Clue. I'm not talking about mm-hmm. Clue in this in the same breath. <laughs> It's like it's not awful. I think no, it's, it's not sort of awful. a fun thing to go see that to me the experience was hampered a lot by the weird the, the like Twitter talk in it and the, yeah. the feeling that Ryan Johnson was mad at people who criticized his Star Wars movie. So he used this as a way to get back to them, which is like the stupidest, pettiest, like I don't know. I, I, I really didn't like that aspect of it. And it didn't feel like like if you've been around if you've had all right people yell at you on Twitter or if you've been around like hard right wing people in real life or communists in real life, they don't talk like that. It was like no. a very oversimplified, like you said, very dated version of it. There's a little bit of people on their phone and ready or not. And that was more believable because it's subtle and kind of natural than the all that stuff in this movie. And it's like some people thought laughed along with it and thought it was funny. And I think if I wasn't on Twitter as much as I am then it wouldn't have bothered me that much. But it's like, it just seemed very disingenuous and self-serving and like this very like rich white liberal guys take on all this. But the murder, I thought it was fun outside of that. I didn't hate it, but it was like, I thought that aspect of it was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> it would yeah. be that fun talking about it. Yeah. I get, like, you know, um, I think like, like I was really, dis- I was really disappointed in the murder mystery. I thought this would just be a very different film, a film that would, you know, that would keep me guessing. Instead, it gives me, the answer and just says oh there's another answer too but like i've i never had a chance to be i was i never felt like i was misled or put in a different direction or had any red red herrings to figure out or anything bigger to piece together like as soon as like chris evans like showed up and was like in it like every other like in every scene i was like oh he did it he was behind Mm -hmm. it somehow and that's that was basically it that was all the mystery um there was Pretty much. Yeah, it's not. It's something that's like, oh, it's sort of like goes from scene to scene and it's kind of fun and entertaining. And Daniel Craig is super hammy, which is fun. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't think it necessarily deserves the critical acclaim 
Especially, it's like I had just seen Parasite, I think, not long oh, before yeah. seeing this, which is also a much better movie. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that was Knives Out. Um, I mean, it's okay. If you think it looks interesting, uh, go for it. But, you know, I like, you know, the alt-right nephew spend a lot of my time watching this film while looking at my phone. <laughs> All right. Yeah. If you can stomach Chris Evans saying the phrase SJW University, as if that's a real <laughs> thing a person would say, uh, then you can watch it. All right. And so moving on to Ready or Not. Now, Ready or Not is a straight up like comedy horror film. Knives Out tries to somewhat live in the real world, I think, but Ready or Not is just full on like fantastical. Uh, and I actually want to say before we get into it, this will contain some spoilers. So if you were interested in the movie, maybe you want to go and check it out. It is on, on demand and DVD and all that stuff right now. And then we'll get into it. So ready or not, uh, Shannon, what overall did you think of this movie? There were uh, scenes towards the middle that I got very frustrated with uh, the main character because I liked the actress a lot. I liked the character, but she did a lot of sort of it's that you're watching a horror movie and she does something stupid. She's screaming when she shouldn't be screaming and there are people around because it's like if you like being having been in actual life or death situations before it was like, oh, come on, don't do this, which I usually don't have a problem with that. And I feel like it could have been cut down a little bit, but I had um, like a while ago, I read on Twitter, Jay Bauman said that this movie had the best ending he had seen all year. So I was kind of waiting for the ending. And then the ending was amazing. Oh. It was fantastic, and I really liked it, and it was very weird, and I think that raised my opinion of the film a lot. And I think I think all of the, especially the two brothers and the main character, as far as casting, I thought they did super well. Yeah. Um, I thought the acting in this movie was really good. Yeah, Adam Brody, I think, was very, very good uh, in this. What that, what's that kid from? What was the TV show? He was on OC. OC, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I think this is the only time I've ever, like, seen Adam Brody in something but actually uh, aside, i think maybe the ring maybe he was in it but i really liked him uh in this yeah i thought he was a uh, really good deep now mm-hmm. i do have to tell our listeners the main actress is not margot roby <laughs> it's samara <laughs> weaving they are both australian they both look very very similar it was not until a couple of minutes in this movie where i really real processed that it was not margot roby like i didn't think actively that was margot Romy, but uh, there was was a point in this film like oh that's not her actually um this well, is she was emma stone at first they just <laughs> have giant eyeballs and i can't so they all look they're skinny white women with big eyeballs yeah big bright eyes yeah yeah but samara weaving and she actually is like really i think she's really good at this she's a she is she's a good uh scream queen if we can still use that term she is like a great a perfect uh horror um protagonist um believable likable um and you know when it's her turn to get you know to fight back you know she's pretty uh kick ass in this she at the beginning especially she really reminded me of a couple of friends of mine in real life like as far as someone in that age range she's very sweet and there's not a whole lot of time to establish her character but you do feel bad for her and you 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 feel like she really cares about her husband um rather than in knives out people feel more sort of like caricatures even though this movie is more much more ridiculous by yeah. the end of it the, fee- the every individual person except for maybe the the creepy aunt 
they all feel very real, especially her and the two brothers. Yeah, they. F- yeah, that's a really great observation. Like they do feel more like real people and real rich people than uh, the characters in Knives Out. Knives Out, who you know are you know sort of these cardboard uh, cutouts, but these characters you know have some depth. You know, so the premise of the film is basically, um, and it's more board game stuff too like in 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 knives out like the patriarch the father is obsessed with games too uh for some reason and ready or not they actually own like a board game company i think they're both be like milton bradley or something like Mm -hmm. that like their 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 family has made their fortune off of board games i don't know if that's a thing still a thing in 2019 are there like a big <laughs> any board game dynasties running family owned businesses now i don't know um but the thing is they're they, they think they owe their wealth to this deal that their great great grandfather cut with this mysterious stranger where he says you know anytime you as someone new to our family you have to play uh this game i have where you draw a card and then it tells you to play another game now they can be normal games like checkers or hangman or whatever but if you have to play hide and seek what that means is that the family has to hunt down and kill uh the new person if they don't do that then disaster will uh strike them uh so the film opens up with uh Samara Weaven's character marrying into this family and her um husband her new husband Mark O'Brien um you know doesn't really tell her what's going on he's uh-huh. estranged from his family he doesn't really like them or like hanging out with them and you know most of them are kind of standoffish uh to Grace uh, Samara Weaving's character aside from her husband's uh, mother uh, played by Andy McDowell who's wonderful in this and you know the the whole plot hinges on whether she draws the bad card of hide and seek which of course she does and then they have to uh, hunt her down and kill her before sunrise or else they say that they'll lose uh, everything Yes, it's much more ambiguous, I think, at the beginning. It's just sort of something bad will happen. Yeah, something. Then as the movie gets on, it gets more specific. Yeah. Yeah, they say, you know, you know, such and such couple, they didn't come and play this game and they were both dead, you know, within a week. Or they kind of tell you that every, you know, you're not really, you don't really know if it's true or not that it's, you know, anything will happen. But they all believe it. And so they all um, spend the rest of the uh, movie trying to hunt and kill down uh, Grace. One thing that I didn't like about this film is because... We'll get to the ending in a little bit, but because of the ending and how it was set up, what that meant is that this couldn't be like Grace picking off the rich people one by one, right? Like if she, like all, all of the wealthy fam, the family, basically the Le Domas family lives until the very, very end, and she Mm -hmm. can only ever kill like any of their maids and their servants in between the film, uh, which I felt was a, a little bit, a little bit disappointing. I wanted to see, I assumed that she would be spending a lot of time like hacking rich people to death, but she doesn't really <laughs> do any of that. She got one of them. She got them all. She got Andy McDowell. Yeah. She beat her to death with the game thing. The most likable <laughs> one. The most like- Yeah. The only likable one, the only nice one. Um, I'm surprised she didn't get, what was her name? Uh, Melanie, the, the coke addict was really funny. 
the like fuck up coke addict sister who kept accidentally killing people yeah like em- emily, <laughs> emily yeah <laughs> yeah um oh yeah sorry yes that's what the actress's name yeah but, yeah uh, other than that not getting that kind of visceral you know thing i want to see from it i really kind of enjoyed this movie i saw it in theaters and then i watched it a little bit later at home with my wife and like i enjoy getting through this um both times it's a tight 90 which uh i always appreciate from uh from a film you know 90 minutes uh 93 minutes and you know it doesn't need to be any longer than that i thought mm-hmm. you know the visuals look like i thought it looked really cool i thought there were some like great shots of her in the wedding dress especially when it gets all bloody and shit um like i thought it was fairly you know scary and humorous like i think it had a good balance because i've i've talked before about i don't i always i don't like comedy horror generally because they always you know lean more towards the comedy and the horror and they you know chicken out on the gore but this one i think had a decent amount of gore a, a satisfactory amount of gore even though i don't really it know if it's a r-rated or pg-13 it's not the goriest film ever but it's, it had enough uh for me and overall like i i just thought this was a like a fun ride with some you know g- good actors in it that i really enjoy i think uh, you mentioned melanie as the coke Kane addicted sister she did really well i think you know anna mcdowell adam brody like everybody is really like pretty fun in this and i just you know i really like this movie you know regardless of like the class and political uh elements that we can get to later i thought it was a fairly well crafted uh kind of thrill uh slasher film i i had a problem earlier on when like her husband is talking to her and he's like well you know i just didn't want you to leave me and this sad music plays and she's like i love you i'm like well that's really gross he's putting her life on the line yeah. just to stay with her then later on it's like oh okay yeah <laughs> kind of the way that that paid because i was like oh that's kind of a gross like uh thing for the movie to like be feeling sorry for him because he loves her so much it's like oh that's not really what was okay that i ended up being fine with that but yeah just as far as just uh filmmaking it is a very well crafted like little uh, thriller that just completely goes off the rails in the last 10 minutes in a way that is really fun. Yeah. So let's talk about how it goes um, off the rails. So she's been running successfully from them. She's killed some of the servants. Daniel, who's uh, played by Adam Brody, he kind of has a change of heart and tries to help her because, you know, their family is fucked up. They like, <laughs> we found out that they also like regularly sacrifice goats um, to this entity that has given them all this wealth. And like, they're, they're like in some kind of cult like thing. Um, like they, they try to uh, put grace on like a pentagram and like sacrifice <laughs> her and, and shit. And we've, and somehow she's able to get out. She kills, you know, um, her mother-in-law, um, you know, which I'm sure is a visual, visceral treat for a lot of Dars and laws out there. Um, and once she does that, her husband then turns on her and mm-hmm. because he realizes that she's not going to be with him after she's, after he's put her through all this fucking shit without like warning her or telling her. Cause you know, he, I guess his thinking was, well, it probably won't land on hide and seek. It only can, it lands on it sometimes. And so if it doesn't, then we can go about our lives and never have to deal with my f- family again. But, you know, after she's been almost murdered five times, uh, she's she got, been shot and her back's all fucked up. Yeah. She's kind of over it and done with this family. <laughs> 
and she's able to uh, survive just long enough um, to, you know, pat to, for sunrise. That was the deadline on this film. And they're all standing around like, what the, what the fuck? Uh, is happening because the sun's up. Nothing's happened to them. The calamity hasn't struck. They're all fine. And then they're just looking at, at her like, oh, oops, our bad, I guess. <laughs> Sorry for uh, trying to um, murder you because we believed in this um, weird ancient thing. This, yeah, they this... end up saying Satan at, towards the end of the movie. He actually says, yeah. say hell Satan. Yeah, they do say <laughs> After hell not Satan. saying it for most of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it escalates the supernatural elements of as the film goes on. And then, you know, after a few beats um, and the, hus- the husband's try- like trying to apologize, I'm sorry for trying to sacrifice you, please, you know, forgive me. Then people just start exploding. The entire family <laughs> explodes in like blood and guts, blood and guts just spewing everywhere, just spontaneously combusting. Even the little, the shitty little kids explode. And their coke mom, they go in the other room and you see them, three of them pop, like explode and pop off. And I was like, yes, just, <laughs> I was wondering if they were going to kill the kids. Just a an insane ending to the film. Even like the in laws who aren't, you know, you know, end up exploding too. Like everyone's just and she bet and you know, the husband's begging her, please, you know, forgive me. And she actually says, you know, you know what? I want a divorce. And then he explodes too. <laughs> and then that's it. And the end of the film is just her all bloody uh, sitting on the stoop. I think this has become a meme now. I thought (laughs) you might think it's Sweet D from It's Always Sunny because she kind of looks like her in this picture. But the picture of her like smoking the cigarette covered in blood, that's a meme now. Uh, It's a good shot. Um, Like I really and that's it. That's the end of the movie. She doesn't get all the money. They're all dead. Maybe she even goes to prison. Who knows? But um, at least all the rich assholes are dead and exploded. And it's uh, done. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the end of Heather's. Where she, like, her cigarette's lit from the explosion, too. They're both sitting there smoking <laughs> around Rebel. Yeah, they all die. Uh, I thought that was fantastic. They all exploded. Because I thought it was going to be, oh, they realized they were wrong. There's sort of the fake out where nothing's happening for a minute. And the ant swings up the axe and is going to kill her. And then she explodes. And I'm like, ha ha. I'm glad I didn't have that spoiled. I am. I'm not. I really don't like having movies spoiled anyway. But I managed to avoid anything about the end of this movie. And I'm, it was a very fun surprise. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't really think the supernatural stuff is real until that very uh, moment. I thought it was uh, really well done. Would I have preferred a version of the movie where there was no supernatural stuff and she just end of it? She just hacks them all to death, probably. <laughs> but I, I think I can uh, tolerate this too. I liked it. That's that's what Parasite is for. Yeah, (laughs) part of it. Yeah. So on the whole, I think I I really enjoy Ready or Not. If you like horror, horror comedy horror, like I would definitely give this my uh, thumbs up. uh, You know, approval. I think this is one that really is uh, worth watching if you're into the genre. I thought it was interesting too. According to Wikipedia, Ready or Not's budget was six million, and then um, Knives Out's budget was forty million. And Ready or Not did so much yeah. with just a six million dollar. I mean, that's a lot of money for like for like for me as a filmmaker, that would be a crazy budget. But it's like, wow, they did a lot. Um, yeah, it feels like a bigger film. Like they both are both basically centered in one house, but uh, oh, they have bigger. I guess they have more expensive cast on Knives Out. 
it was Chris Person was tweeting about a genre movie called Housecore, where the, the people they're not good and they're quite wealthy and they have a house and they suck. That's Housecore, baby. <laughs> Just talking about this. this what the, the, when I was thinking about this, when I was watching this movie, I was thinking about his tweets about it. Yeah, because yeah. it is. It's like a bunch of movies recently are just set in a big opulent house with shitty people in it. Yeah. All right. So that was Knives Out and Ready or Not. Thank you so much for listening to the struggle session today. Have a good one. Like what you hear, want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.